0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Backstage Podcast. My guest this week is Maximilien Roy. I met Max while he was starting out his career in politics and witnessed him quickly climb the ranks all the way to the office of the Prime Minister of Canada. Today, he is the CEO of the Association of Youth Chambers of Commerce of Quebec, We reminisce and discuss a little bit about politics, but mostly we talk about business and entrepreneurship in Quebec, the many challenges and constant changes in the economic, innovative and tech landscapes, and the impact they have on both government policy and business sustainability and development. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Maximilien Roy, Max, how's it going, man? I'm doing great. How are you? Awesome. It's good to see you. Good to see you as well. It's been a little while. It has been a while, yes. <laughs> you
1: look good. Well, so do you. I know you're Is lying. Is this a date you're, you're, or something? Yeah.
0: It's... You're trying to be
1: polite, but it's okay. Thanks anyway. <laughs> I'm getting nervous now. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it has been a while. First of all, how's your wife? My wife's doing great, Alex. Uh, she's still working in politics. She's quite busy. She just went back to work cuz uh we had a kid 6 months ago. Yeah, congrats. So thank you. Thank you, little boy. So she took the first 6 months, I'm taking the second 6 months of uh, the entire year with the kid. Uh obviously I'm taking a little break today to be with you. Yeah. And I
0: appreciate <laughs> it. I know you're a very busy man. No worries. Uh 6 months now the little boy. Yeah, 6 months and a week now. How is it? It changes
1: a life. I mean, I've heard so many comments before becoming a dad. People used to tell me, you know, it's gonna change your life, and I open you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Sure. You know, everyone has kids at one point. I, I life, think so.
0: everybody thinks like that, and then they realize, man, those things are true.
1: That's right. That's <laughs> right. And I just, I still remember the, the second he was born, and I, I saw my life like, okay, this isn't the same yeah. thing at all. It really changes a life
0: for sure. Yeah, for sure. It changes in the sense that you, this is, this is my experience, at least having kids. Forget about the fact that you're, you're happy and you're, that's normal. I think we can understand that. What I found amazing, which I wasn't expecting at all, was to see the result it had uh, in the people around us, like my parents and my in-laws, and just to see them experiencing everything over again. Yeah. It was fantastic. And we lived it again with the second kid. It's just crazy to see the happiness these things bring Absolutely. to everyone.
1: You're totally right about the happiness part of it. The other thing too, is that any decision I make in my life now,
0: there's always a little
1: second of wait, but how does that affect my kid yeah, now? Exactly. Which I, I didn't have before. I was like, I'm just going to do it. But now I have to think twice. You got to think
0: twice. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's the new life. But I'm happy for you, man. Well, thanks. Uh, I'm happy for you. And uh, yeah, no, we haven't seen each other in a very long time. Um, you've been busy with your stuff and uh, uh, well, we we were busy with uh, the whole uh, politic uh, political scene. Uh, we met. I uh, just to go back a little bit. You were. I think we met the first time when you came into the party. You were doing communications. Um, I wasn't very much uh, in contact uh, uh, with the party, so I don't think we we dealt too much uh, with each other. But then we started working closer together when you took uh, w- when you took the lead at uh, the the writing office of uh, our very own Right Honourable Prime Minister.
1: That's right. Uh, we're lucky enough to uh, to work uh, our two writings, the federal and the provincial one, were crossing. So that's that's all we really, really, actually met. Mm-hmm. Because I remember working for the provincial Liberals, but when you're working at the uh, the headquarters, you don't get to see what's really happening on the ground. On the ground, yeah. Uh, but now that I was working in the uh- <laughs> uh the, the prime minister's uh writing office that that was the moment when we started working together and I got to say you guys were really really close to the people on the ground so wherever I would go and meet with the citizens they would always talk to me about this is what Jerry is doing this is uh, what his team is doing so that's how I really got to know what you yeah. guys were doing
0: look we were there for a very long time right so we had um, we had the opportunity to build uh, some steady relationships there on the ground um but uh, tell me about you. I mean, how did, how did you, uh, th- that, that transition from, you know, the partisan to more of, you know, the, the service and the representation uh, f- for the citizens?
1: I am, I think it was a very important moment in my life. Uh, when you do politics, everyone has in mind working in either Quebec City or Ottawa. Yeah. And if you're really, really lucky, Washington. Yeah. And you think you're going to be in that bubble and going to change the world at that precise location Mm -hmm. truth is you're the most helpful when you're in the writing when you get to see people i agree real challenges every day and if i hadn't been uh, on the ground at that point i don't think i would have been that good or uh, as humble as i can get uh,
0: working in politics in, in ottawa it does change you it changes you because um like you said you're on the ground um and it's fine working on the Hill, uh, but working on the Hill is much more, w- you know, what what the show is about, right? The backstage, uh, all the preparation, everything that goes into uh, policy and all that stuff. But uh, the writing offices, first of all, that's what maintains your seat, right? For so sure. the work that is done there is also um, the work that will depend on whether or not you maintain the seat because right. it's the relationships and it's what you have to prove, right? What you have to show. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't yet prime minister, I think. No,
1: no. He had just run uh, to be the leader, so when I once I got there, he was already a leader. But it was just before the election, the yeah. 2015 election. And you left, I think, right before, a little bit before, because I ran for a nomination in the riding, which I oh, didn't that's win, right, so yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice experience as well. Uh, in my uh my hometown in uh Stansted. In the in the eastern townships. Eastern townships in Compton Stansted is the name of, of the riding.
0: So so so, so you're a, you're a townships boy.
1: I am. You I grew am. up on the farm. I grew up on a farm. Work. Where- Eight years on a farm before actually jumping in politics. What kind of uh, farm? Um, so it's it's a family farm. So there are twelve kids. I was uh, their
0: cousin I was a thirteenth one. Wait, you have you have twelve siblings? Uh my cousins. Oh cousins. One, okay, okay, I missed that. Okay. Uh,
1: the same family. They have their their
0: twelve kids. I okay. was a
1: thirteenth one. Um so they do they have to do everything, right? You're you have a farm, you have to be able to work in any conditions. Mm-hmm both the fields we have a, they have about a thousand cows now oh, wow. uh, it, it's it's a big farm okay so i've touched everything in the joke when i got into politics I said, uh you used to to spread uh shit when you were working uh on the farm but uh, i've dealt
0: with shit before <laughs> you're doing yeah. the same thing
1: now once, once you're
0: in politics <laughs> it, it, it's you know i have a cousin that lives out in the um, in bedford and uh one thing for sure i, I don't know how people live there uh, but that's just my take right because i'm a city guy but. Uh, Every time we have to drive there, it's, it's just, in my mind, it's just misery. I'm like, oh, God. But then again, I, I, I start understanding almost how other people feel when they come to my house. Because now I'm no longer <laughs> on the island. So I kind of understand it. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Because I've gotten to meet a lot of their friends and their family over there. Um, they're very proud people. And they're very, very, very hardworking people. They are. And the other thing that I also... Because I always thought, in the back of my mind, the people living in the townships or in the regions their like ultimate dream would be to leave and come into Montreal, like to come to the big city. And I realized that that's not true. People are very happy and they're very proud of what they're doing. And they love the region and they love the, they love staying and working and contributing to whatever they're doing. It's,
1: it's really the quality of life you have over there. I mean, I love living in, in the city, but it's not the same thing. You, you don't stress in the morning when you live in the Eastern townships about going to work,
0: being stuck in traffic. Mm-hmm. You You don't, Live that at all, well, I would hope so because my cousin has five kids, so that's another <laughs> issue that I don't understand, but uh it's another thing for if, sure you know, but it's aligned to that there's literally less stress than what we live here absolutely
1: you how to say your ambition is different mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say it's lesser, it's really just different, yeah, you can build uh, like a business like my cousin's like a thousand cows, you don't start. With a thousand cows, cows, you start with a few of them yeah. and then you build it and then you build. So you can do it. It's really you can choose your own pace and you don't have the pressure that you have that you feel when you're in the city. Yeah, that's for sure.
0: So Justin Trudeau's office, um, you take over and then um, you run uh, federally, you lose the campaign and then you go into the private sector.
1: I, the, Yep, exactly. That's what I did. Uh, actually, I, I went to the private sector before because I didn't want to uh i didn't want it to look like i was uh oh you the, went
0: from one to the other okay i understand yeah, yeah
1: i didn't want to be from the prime minister's office going to run in a, in a writing and say you know what i'm i'm their chosen one ah, so i okay. left before i found a job in the private sector uh, in a big pr firm here in montreal and how was that uh very eye-opening yeah you see big pr firms what's really cool about them is that you touch so many different files you're always on living on the edge mm-hmm. it's really really interesting I, if you asked me if I would do it again at that time of my life, for sure. And yeah. now, no, way. no way, no way.
0: Well, now that your father and uh, family is in the back of your mind. That's right. No, That's right. It, it's, it's insane that very few people understand. And I'm going to go back into politics in general, because obviously the big PR firms, uh, that do, you know, obviously public relations and government relations. You're around, uh, you know, the same, there's that same political aura, right? Right. Uh, people don't understand the amount of work that goes into the work that we've done. Um, people just think, you know, yeah, you go around, shake hands, kiss babies, and then you just, you come around every four years. There's so much more that people don't understand or they don't, I, I understand that they don't see it, right? Because it's not their, uh, it's not their everyday life, but it's just insane. The amount of hours that are, that are put in this work for sure and it's it's not as concrete
1: as many other jobs i mean you don't see the thing you're cleaning you you don't see uh, the, the results the, the next day exactly it's only you have to build it the stars don't align themselves <coughs> naturally you have to to work it make sure and find the right timing to make it happen and yeah. the right angle to do it as well
0: which is why it's so incredibly difficult to pick up and leave uh when you're working in politics first of all it's a drug so it it, it just <laughs> it, is. It, it you know it pulls you in but at the same time, like you said, you're working on so many different things, uh, that the results will only be obvious in one, two, maybe three years, Exactly. You know, you're thinking long-term and you can't just pick up and leave because you have things pending that nobody either knows what you're doing or, uh, you know, there's so many people involved that uh, you don't want to leave anyone hanging. And, uh, you know a, a lot of people used to ask me what do you t-? like ele- i spent 11 years but even before that people were like what are you doing how do you why do you work so much like what are these hours weekends at 8 p.m. what are you doing and um it's difficult to explain to someone that this is what it takes right right it is hard um it's once uh, the the way i did
1: it i would have a list of the things i wanted to accomplish before leaving and that list if you don't stop it it goes on and on it never never ever stops so at one point you just have to say these are my priorities and it doesn't take one day, as you said, it might take two, three years before it happens. But you have to make sure that you always keep that goal in mind and you slowly start to build a narrative around it. You need to find the right ally to make it happen. You need to find connections or get to know the right people. You know, you work in Baltics, uh, so many different files. I, I, for, for instance, immigration. Yeah. I, was in, I was in charge of immigration yeah. at the office, but I know if you don't have the, the right contact, a person can really explain <coughs> why the file is not going forward. Yeah. Um, it can be quite complicated and you're not being very helpful to the citizen.
0: Exactly. Uh, and you know I, I don't believe that people are irreplaceable, but it's very difficult to replace someone that leaves in politics, especially after a long period where they've developed their network, they've created their relationships, they've worked on complex files. Um, and to just find someone that will pick it up from one day to the next it's practically impossible i think there's a uh, which the- is the big difference i think from that and the private sector where you know well i'm, th- I'm thinking about a huge corporations where okay come in this is your these are your tasks and go you know exactly because the personality has a lot to do with how
1: you you know you were talking about shaking hands it's it's an art you, you don't just learn on, on on a day how to to make it happen yeah. how to build a trust with someone. So it really does take time. So you're right. You cannot just leave and uh, bring in someone new to, to replace you. That's for sure.
0: What, what, um, I I love talking with people that either work in politics or worked in politics and much more, uh, talking to people that worked in politics. So I can see now in retrospect, how they think, um, what was it in for you that pushed you or motivated you or got you (laughs) interested, uh, to come into politics,
1: um, to be quite frank, when I was younger, I was a disenfranchised youth. I used to listen to a lot of uh, punk rock music. I would, I used to have a big mohawk, different colors back in the days. Wow! Um, <laughs> I knew we, we want we want pictures. That's what <laughs> you, want. <laughs> you won't get any of them. Um, I used to to think there are so many different things you can do to make this world better. Yeah. And I know it's a bit cliche, yeah. but truth is you go into politics for that, then you learn how uh, how complicated it is to change things. Yeah. But it, you have the foundation of why you get involved should always be because you want to change things for the better.
0: Mm-hmm. You got involved at a, at a university level from... A-
1: okay. Absolutely. I used to, I, My first experience was in 2008, working uh, on a campaign for uh, William Hogg, who was a local candidate back then uh, mm-hmm. in Compton Stansted that's how i started just volunteering and slowly slowly getting to uh, know more people working in politics and getting closer to them understanding their world first cuz you you don't want to jump from, uh, from one day to the next into politics you want to learn to see if you like it mm-hmm. cuz as you said it's a drug so you better make sure that take the right one uh, that's right <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. the one that really suits get, you
0: get addicted to the right one that's yeah. right uh and, and that led you obviously to all the um, all the positions um Finally, you ended up working in, in cabinet in Ottawa. Yeah. That's what I want to know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I worked for uh, Minister Morneau, Minister of Finance, for three years. Uh, incredible experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, really. I don't know. There's so many things I could say. So is there something specific you want to talk about? Look, about
0: this, is, this is where, um, and it's interesting that, that you, I'm happy that you accepted to come on because uh, many people that are involved in politics, you know they're either involved at a partisan level uh either at a at a local uh you know service representation level or they want the the big jobs and they go to cabinet because of the exposure and because of whatever status they think that brings them but you've done all three uh and the interesting thing for me is to know obviously that transition from one to the other and the experiences um that you had in dealing with those different atmospheres absolutely
1: actually uh-
0: I wouldn't have been good at that last
1: job if I hadn't had the experience before like yeah. working on the ground. Um, so many different uh, things come your way in terms of decision-making. And I don't make the decisions. I influence a decision. Yeah. Whenever I would get something on my desk telling me, okay, this is an issue. This is what we recommend should be done. My angle, my first angle would always be, how would people react like in the streets of Montreal? Would they think that this is the right thing to do? That's, that's how you really, that's, my background really helped me making better decisions at that point, because when you work in a big department like Finance Canada, they have all the necessary staff to do all the the calculations for any file, making sure that these are the uh, the, the prospects uh, on this file. What they may lack is that openness or understanding of what's really happening on the ground. Well,
0: it's it's bureaucracy. That's what it is. Bureaucratic. It is and that's a big difference right when you're when you work at the writing office an issue comes up and you have to do everything because you're right. what three four maybe five staffers at most yeah absolutely at a cabinet you pick up the phone there's someone like okay give me this information or do this for me absolutely so it's much more of you know management or controlling
1: it is and again when y- you own the file when you work in a writing office so you know the person you're the one that is going to be helping that yeah. person it's very it's not as personal when once you get into cabinet because the decisions are about big issues that will affect people yes but not you couldn't put a name on on that specific that a larger
0: scale it is what files were you responsible for
1: oh it switched so many times but i did public safety anything that has to do with first nations i did health i did um, what else did i do a culture uh, I did so many different files, plus we had the angle of uh, of uh, different provinces. So I would be in charge of Quebec, the prairies, and the north. Okay. So that would keep me busy making sure that whatever decision we take, we both look on the policy file, but also uh, on a geographical uh, lens yeah. perspective.
0: Yeah. You're probably not the right person there, but uh, Minister Morneau has taken a lot of heat. Well, it's not not only him, but in general, the government for dipping the country in when the deficit of where are we now 70 billion yeah something like that
1: well yeah. it's yeah 12 billion about a year for, for for four years so it's you you own a house did you pay cash or did you actually uh, borrow money
0: no i borrowed money but if i had gotten a house that was almost paid off i'm not so sure if our going to get more debt you understand?
1: sure but if your house was fully paid off but there were cracks in the walls yeah like infrastructure like just look the champlain bridge yeah it needed to be built and that's not the only thing just look in montreal the streets it's, it's horrible channel. it's no, horrible Yeah, so you need to put money and like there's been a lack of money in infrastructure for so long it was time to put money there um i understand people are telling the government you should wait until there's a crisis before you start putting the money truth is what has been shown for many 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 different times is that the moment there's a crisis and you start putting money by the time the money gets on uh, the ground it's too late there's no effect yeah so what you want to do is make sure that there's some money and there's always a basis i don't, I don't
0: have an issue with being proactive and i think that's the right attitude i think with anything um but uh who was i talking to uh, recently i can't remember they, they, uh, because you know, we're you're, you're, the federal uh, government is lining up for campaigns and they're looking yeah. back at everything and they're thinking, you know, Justin, man, he he uh he promised a very small deficit, maximum what I say, 10 billion or something like that, right. and then we would balance the books, uh, for 2019 for the election, and we're so off from that, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, yes. it's crazy. <clears throat> yes
1: and if someone wants to raise that point I think it's a legitimate point yeah. you can say that that for you the deficit is too high personally I don't think so I think like if you look at the debt GDP ratio we're doing so well compared to any other country in the world and the impact it has on First of all, reducing poverty in Canada, the cost of poverty uh, poverty is extreme. So whenever you stop you reduce the amount of poverty, it really helps the country. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was a good investment. The the question is, some people see it as a waste, some people see it as an investment. I see it as an investment. I if someone wants
0: to call it a waste, fine, mm-hmm. but tell me where you're gonna cut. No, no absolutely. <laughs> see, this is this is this is the other thing that people have a hard time understanding, that we're very considerably lucky in Canada to have everything that we have, right? Um, and it's difficult for people to understand that these things aren't free. We may be getting them, you know, quote unquote, for free, mm-hmm. but it costs money. People it have obviously. to pay for these things. And I remember um, it was Gaetan Barret, the the former uh, provincial minister of health. We were campaigning together, and he was telling people, and I I I loved how he would put it. He was saying, "Listen, what do you want? If nothing is impossible, we can do anything you want, whatever you want. Just tell us what you want, and it's not." Impossible. We can have anything you want. Right. It's a question about money. We'll do it. Don't worry about it. Problem is that we're limited in the expenses. So we're gonna have to figure out where we're gonna cut. It's what you said before. Yeah. Uh and the way he would put it, it sounds so simple, yet it's true that look, it's the government. You can afford whatever you want, but and everything comes at a cost. Absolutely. So it's just balancing um I don't want to say right and wrong, because I don't think there's right and wrong. It's just... uh, Finding that equilibrium,
1: that balance. You're right. I mean, in a perfect world, we would get all our infrastructures, and we wouldn't pay for it. But it doesn't work. You need to either put more money in infrastructure or assume that your infrastructure are going to go down or are going to be getting older and uh, um, not as good. Mm -hmm. So you have to make that choice. And where is the exact location of the equilibrium? there's no real answer to that. I mean,
0: at the same time, I I think what people are are mostly, um, I don't want to say concerned, but they're realizing that, you know, Justin came into power in 2015 and that was, I think, considering everything that the world had gone through economically. um, He came out, uh, he came in at the very end of, you know, quote unquote crisis, let's call it, because I don't think we lived a big crisis, but I think it's, I think it's fair to say that that is all due to the very careful and diligent uh, governance that the conservatives had before him in terms of the economy. I think you have to give that to Harper in terms of managing the finances and at a time where really the the crisis had hit the peak, right? When you have your neighbors to the south uh, with bailout packages and in Europe, the same thing. The fact that we didn't really feel much in Canada was primarily because of that. And uh, uh, Jim Flaherty, who has been recognized for his genius, the guy. So Justin comes in at the very end of all that. So people are thinking, okay, look, we didn't feel anything. Things are going well. Uh, and here we are going back into that circle. So it comes back to what you said. But I just I just want to go to people's perception of things that things are good. Why don't we just continue uh, going this way rather than doing full circle and indebting ourselves again? You understand? So people sure. have this. Uh, it's not a misconception. It's just their way of seeing things and it's i think it's a very realistic way to think right
1: yeah no i i get it and i'll just go back a little bit the reason why we didn't get hit that badly compared to other countries was really be- because our financial institutions, they're so, um, there are so many laws and they're well done. So that's really what helped us not being affected as much as the United States, where it's uh, it's closer to the free market in terms of financial institutions. And they got hit harder because a few banks uh, filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. So we didn't get that because the, the charts here in, in Canada are, are so much uh, more demanding. So we, we got okay on this front. Flaherty, genius. I, I have nothing to say against him. The, and if you look at the expenses uh, in terms of what happened under conservatives and what happened next, what are the two big items? It was infrastructure when the Justin came in, and it was uh, a ch- kind of a child benefit. Yeah. So these are the two big policy pieces yeah. that, that were brought forward. So yes, you're right. The, the country was on a good track. Now, it was at a point where either you continue to reduce your debt or you start um, fixing a few issues that are latent, uh-huh. which the infrastructure problem problem was when like, it was recognized as one. Um, everything has to do with Canada Child Benefit and uh, the anxiety, anxiety of people, uh, that was, uh, in my mind, another issue that needed to be fixed. So I, I don't think any government can take uh, full um, ownership of turning boats around. I mean, it's hardworking Canadians who actually do the job. Yeah. It's because people actually start working. They, they invest in their businesses. They hire more people. That's what really happens. You can only change a few laws. You can try to invest a bit more here and there, but it's very limited in terms of impact. Um, but at that point, the policy was, do we change a few things in terms of infrastructure and uh, poverty in Canada? And that was the angle. That's, that's what got him elected. And that's what he did. So we can criticize him and say, it's not the right direction. It's it's a fair criticism, but y- you have to choose at one point.
0: I'm not sure exactly when this episode is, gonna, is going to air, but um, we had a friend of mine on and we're talking about politics as well. And uh, for sure, what Justin has succeeded in doing is creating this image and garnering all this support. I think he uh, completely revolutionized the Liberal Party. He brought it back. Uh, I don't want to say a cult, but there's just so much support. People are so enthusiastic about participating and taking action. And I have to give him credit for that because from where the Liberal Party was before and where he's brought it, um, it's huge, huge. Um, Having said that, it's crazy how things change, right, in politics where, you know, now we're talking about the whole SNC La Valente thing. And I I want to take your take on it because I personally think that it's a non-issue. Uh, and it's not because I'm a liberal. I, I try to th- see things very objectively all the time. Um, but it's just crazy how, in my opinion, in terms of communications, I think they just dropped the ball.
1: I agree 100%. I think it was more of a communications issue more than anything else. Um, I, I There will always be a gray zone because there's so many things happening when you're doing the sausage in government that it you wouldn't understand you would unless you're there physically uh, you you wouldn't really know what really happened mm-hmm. and even if you were there you would only get a portion of the way you see it that that's the that's part of what governing really is about but you're true in terms of communication <coughs> it was uh, it was it wasn't good at all it wasn't good at all there were so many changes in the message that was sent uh, at that point so that that was a big issue and the big issue Look, was that
0: i don't want i don't want to diminish uh, what happened like when i mean by non issue i mean It's not a a political um, crisis, in my opinion, but it is a big issue, big enough for the people in his cabinet to have seen what would have possibly come of it. Right. Especially when there's an article in in the Globe and Mail that kind of opened the whole can of worms. My reflex would have been, okay, wait, if there's a story on this, they probably know much more than what they they wrote about. So why come out and hide certain details? Let's just full transparency. This is what we did. This is what we why we did it. Uh, There's jobs on the line, and we gotta protect it. And you know what I said in that in the earlier episode with uh, with my friend was that I would have rather suggested look come out on the attack, say what happened, and put the spotlight on the opposition and pressure them into taking a position. Do you want to support the jobs? Do you want to support the headquarters or not? And turn the headline on them. Trying to hide, and then all this information kept coming out, and then. You know, you came out and said, oh, no, you know, the, our minister Rabel is a valued member of our our, our ministerial cabinet. And then 24 hours later, she resigns and then you have to cover for that. And then your chief of staff, well, not your chief of staff, but your senior advisor resign. And it's just a huge snowball effect created for nothing.
1: Right. Agreed. I- agreed 100% in terms of how the issue was dealt with. Um, because yes, it is an issue. It was a communications issue more than anything else. I think more than, uh, the allegations of pressure whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, it was very badly done. Um, but you've worked in politics and I'm sure you've heard a lot of things. How many crises a day you try to, to avoid in politics? Uh, The the number is quite high.
0: And look, and it's also, it's also very easy to, to look back and say, this is what should have happened. Right.
1: But Monday morning uh,
0: coaching, right? Yeah. Uh, but, and I and I get that, right? And I, I'm not judging anyone here. It's just that an issue like that should have been, you know, you should have seen this happen, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the PMO here. You should be able to kind of have a better analysis of these things. Uh, and again, I don't know when this episode is going to air and what will have happened to that story. But do you think this is an issue that can drag on into the elections and cause any problems?
1: I think the big issue at this point is really how does the government get... All of his caucus together and make sure that we're all they're all on the same. That's,
0: that was my next question.
1: They have to be on the same message. They have to air their grievances uh, within the party, because when you're into politics and people always say that you shouldn't have key messages for for mm-hmm. uh, all the caucus members. You're a team. It's like if you're gonna go play hockey, but uh, only a few people would get sticks and the other ones well, they have to. to, see, to, to see, look,
0: the, 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 I I cannot. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how it feels. I don't know what it is because I worked at the provincial level, where at maximum you have seventy five people to manage versus Justin, who has what one hundred seventy,
1: yeah, one hundred eighty four at, at top, and then yeah,
0: ridiculous number of people to manage to control the message. You're you're dealing with people across the country uh, that aren't always present there, so you can kind of see them face to face. Do you think there's already I think a rift being created between the Quebec caucus and you know the rest of English Canada? How do you think that's going to play out? I don't think the rift is between the Quebec
1: and the rest of, of the country. I think the big issue, and you mentioned it, there's so many people, 184 people. They all have ego. Not everyone who jumped on board to to be a, a member of parliament back back in the day knew exactly what it meant to be a member of parliament. Mm-hmm. I don't think a whole lot of people know what it means to it be a, a member of There's a lot of new
0: faces, that's for sure. Yeah,
1: That is for sure. And once you get in there, and I, unless from day one, it's very clear that these are the limits of what we want to do this is what we want to achieve and this is the process if you have any questions or issues if you don't put that in place from day one that's how you you create issues in the long run i think at this point they need to look back at the process make sure that all the mps have a say in the decisions and make sure that once a decision is made collectively they stick to it yeah and that could be an issue if it, if uh, they're not able to do that within the next few months. Uh, no one wants to vote for a party who doesn't seem to know where to have cohesion.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want to move on to what you're doing now.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> Before we get onto that, actually, no, let's talk about what what you, what, you, what you're doing now, and I want to ask you more of a political question after. Regroupement des Champs du commerce du Québec for the Anglophones listening. That's uh, Kind of like a Quebec Association of Youth uh, Chambers of Commerce. That's correct. Yep. Tell me a little bit about it. What is it? So I started
1: as a CEO there in November. So <coughs> we represent 43 young chambers of commerce all across Quebec. 12,000 entrepreneurs and young professionals. Um, we have three main objectives: make sure that there's a that there's a good network in place that people have resources. Uh, we want to make sure that the government understands. Uh, what's happening in the ecosystem from this perspective of startups and people from between uh, 18 and 40 years old and finally help them go uh, beyond borders, uh, become international companies. Okay. So these are the three things we're trying to achieve.
0: Well, for one, I'm glad that you're considering 40 still young. Yeah, it so is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're all young. <laughs>
0: uh. There's a question that I have uh, because there's so many chambers of commerce, right? Uh, you have the Quebec Federation of Chambers of Commerce. Then you have the bigger uh, regional ones. Why is this necessary? Why do you think we need a youth chamber of commerce?
1: Two things. Um, they're the FCCU is doing a great job and uh, and I'm not complaining about them. They're part of our, um, of our chain. The way I see it, we have younger clubs for people who are still at school. We have uh, clubs for, um well, there's the FCCQ who are there, yes, for all the the businesses in, in Quebec, but at the end of the day, their uh, the way their um the, their mandate is shaped, it's really about basically bigger businesses more than anything else mm-hmm. we're more about smaller businesses so that's the way you see it and it's not a hundred it's not a perfect rule in the sense that we do represent some bigger businesses and, and young professionals and bigger businesses but there the, the focus is different from there and from our perspective from our generation as well the perspective is different like the FCCQ uh, uh works a lot in the paradigm of uh unions versus uh, um business owners we're more of how can we find a middle ground for both of them and work with Because SMEs? I mean, you can be the boss and you can be your mm-hmm. own employee as well. Yeah, exactly. So you have to, to think about that. So that's
0: why I think it's relevant for us to be there. Is there, is there any competition in the sense that the people, the, the, the members that come into the young chambers of commerce, uh, nothing stops them from going to become members in, in other ones, right? Right. But do they want to or do they just pick and choose? And they're like, oh, these guys, you know, they're young, they're funner. Uh, better networking cocktails let's go here and then you kind of take away members from the other ones
1: well you know what it's usually uh young chambers are cheaper so usually it's a, it's an add-on to to other chambers of commerce or sometimes it's the first step or a step in between uh like school clubs to to the chamber of Commerce where they're know they'll have people in their own uh, from their own age present at, mm-hmm. at the event so competition no uh, uh, is there some overlap obviously there is a lot Um but the bigger issue in general is really making sure that there are so many different. Uh, we're bombarded every day with ads, with events. Uh, you know, if you wanted to, you could spend your entire day go- just going from one event to the other yeah. without ever working. So we have to stay relevant. That's part of my job to make sure that we we stay re- relevant.
0: Um, give me a little bit of the diversity of the the people, the companies uh, that are represented there.
1: Um, so from very small ones that um self employed. Uh, people to very big corporations. On my board of uh, directors, I have uh, Vincent Theriault, who's the, uh, the, the found, co-founder of uh, Surmeuseur, the Suits. Yeah. So nice guy. I have people from Canada Steamships Line, people from Desjardins, from Banque Nationale. Um, and then we go to very small businesses and some startups. I'm thinking about André on my board who started a company named Solugen. It's uh, in the agricultural area. It's a very good, very good uh, product they're they're creating. So, we touch a whole lot of people, different uh, industries, all across Quebec. Uh, uh,
0: we're going to talk about um, the industries a bit later because there's some pressing questions that we have, especially with uh, you know the business and the economy landscapes right. completely transforming. Um, but in the regions, tell me, are people interested? Are they mobilizing, or is it mostly like the big cities Montreal, Laval, uh, Quebec, uh, Sherbrooke?
1: Obviously, the the crowds are bigger in these centers, but the need to network is more important in the regions. And more and more, what we see, and for instance, on the on the North Shore, what they they do more and more is hold events with more than one Young Chamber of Commerce. It would be the one from Laval, from all the sainte stash would be there. They all get together yeah. to to build the network. So that's the whole point. So start local, and then you grow. So, uh, but it's it's they're very very active and uh, hats off to a lot of a lot of them here on the south shore i mean the, the Chambre de commerce et d'industrie de la rive sud wow they're they're very very active and they create a lot of events the networking experience is amazing
0: mm-hmm. um let's talk about um something that obviously is very present right now uh in in Quebec and that's uh, you know the whole uh question on immigrants uh, there's a new government that wanted to reduce the 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 levels of uh, the numbers of immigrants coming in we know that there's a labor shortage in Quebec you obviously know this as well um what's going on with that what, what what's your position and how do you utilize this uh this thing happening uh, in in your advantage truth is <coughs> We're given the benefit of the doubt to the government at
1: this point. There's so many things that are haven't been uh, shown yet. Things that have been said in the campaign, but have not materialized yet. Uh, if you want to talk about the eighteen thousand uh, folders issue uh, that that yeah. we filed that we've seen recently, we decided not to jump on that file at this point uh, because there's so many unknowns at this point. Obviously, we need more uh, immigrants who have to make sure that they're well um, integrated within our economy. So the, the 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 new government wants to focus on the second part of it, of really making sure that they're well integrated, that they learn French, uh, which is fine by me. It, it makes a whole lot of sense. Now, I understand on the social side of things, it's, it's a big issue to just take 18,000 files and destroy them. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, a lot of people can talk about it. I don't think it would be our role as the, the young chambers to really uh, say talk about social issue on that front. Mm-hmm. But on the economic side of things, um, we have a lot of questions. Because if we don't get these 18,000 people, where do we get the, the workers that are needed?
0: You have people that are raising these concerns that yes. we need
1: I have, working hands? I have young entrepreneurs who are on that list. Okay too. So what do they do? Do they continue uh, with their business in Quebec or do they just pack up and leave or what's the deal? So there's a lot of questions to be raised at that point. Obviously uncertainty is always a, a big issue for and, and it's mostly Europe.
0: and it's mostly hitting the the regions, right? Yes. But that's a whole other challenge in itself. It Even is. if you bring the immigrant, how do you convince him that or her Uh, here go to the regions we need you there rather than the big city that everybody dreams of coming to right
1: so by the time you get this podcast uh, rolling we might have our uh, big study uh, out publicly so i don't want to talk too much about it but we're looking on this uh, on this particular file and 84 percent of all immigrants uh, choose to stay in the montreal region and if you add quebec city you're closer to 90 percent of Mm -hmm. all the immigrants in these two little regions, we have a program ourselves to to bring young entrepreneurs from uh, the diversity outside of these two centers. It takes time. You have to make sure that they feel at home over there. So slowly, whenever there's a community that is starting to grow somewhere, usually you'll see that more people from that community will join that 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 uh, that region. It's a very very slow process. Yeah. Um. Because,
0: because it's not only about your jobs, and it's not only about entrepreneurship, and creating the opportunity there's a lot of social factors as well
1: absolutely so what do you do when you're done work what does your wife do when or your husband do when uh, you're 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 at work Mm -hmm. so uh, what about the kids will they feel at home will they feel love uh will they feel like they're integrated within the society where they live these are all big questions and we need to make sure that these people feel at home how do you do that (laughs) that's a very good question um I think it's all about the I don't know how to say that in English, but vraiment l'offre de service. Yeah, it's the how do you accompany these people from A to Z? I at this stage I would say that in Quebec we don't have a model where yeah, supply management sort okay. of yeah uh, we don't have that accom- accompaniment for for these people starting from scratch and hey let's let's go to let's go to Drummondville let's go to a, a rural area let's see how you integrate and see what job is offered for you there. can you uh, live there
0: Uh, i don't think they have that time to, to waste basically they're coming here they're thinking of their kids they're okay let's get moving i need a job they need to get down to the need and greedy you know
1: yes and if it's a need collectively to make sure that we bring diversity outside of the big centers we need to create one program one single um window for them to to apply there and that they get the experience and they can actually choose to, to go live somewhere else rather than just like, I just arrived here in Montreal, I need to find a job right away, I need to take care of my my wife, my kids, so I'm going to stick with the, 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 the two people I know in Montreal, and that's where I'm going to stay yeah. for the rest of my life. So we need to make sure that from the moment they arrive, we tell them, okay, so... This is, these are jobs open, job openings that you can apply to. We can help you get there. We can help you find a, a, a place to live. We can show you around, see if you like the, the area.
0: See what I never understood. And this was on our level, right? I mean, I have so many colleagues that worked at the immigration department and they put in place uh, a brand new system in August or September that would track uh, immigrants based on uh, obviously their qualifications. Uh, and match them with available uh, opportunities, and I I always felt that that how that's how it was, and yet you bring in the you know people from the Maghreb, you know, like the North African region, who are engineers, doctors, and such, and obviously you you bring them in because of the language factor, and we're not dumb, we understand what's going on here, and yet they come here and they have the highest unemployment rate, yeah, in in, in these communities. Like we're and talking about over 20% here.
1: Moroccan uh, <sighs> women that are here in Montreal are usually more educated than most Quebecers in sure. general. But their unemployment levels are So how, did, how does
0: that happen? How do you bring people in that are super qualified uh, with the idea that, look, we have the available jobs, we have the opportunities, come in, and they're just doing nothing? Well, I don't want to say they're not doing nothing. I mean, they're working. It's just that m- many of them aren't happy with what they're doing. And I've met a lot of them that are dissatisfied. And some of them, it's also a question of pride. They're like, listen, man, I spent my whole life becoming an engineer or a doctor. I don't have time to start over. I have a family. I came here for a better life. And they're just on unemployment sitting there. And it's sad to see. It is. And it's a waste.
1: It's both for the individual, but collectively as well. I mean, the the story that we've heard a thousand times about a a doctor driving a cab in Montreal. yeah. This is a total waste for everyone. We need more doctors for sure. We we could find better jobs for them.
0: But why do you think that's happening, though? I mean, this is obviously at a government level. I never understood this, and this was at our our level. I mean, I spent eleven years in politics managing immigration files. I never understood why this was happening.
1: I think it's the paradigm in which we're we're working. We're sitting, uh, and I say we're, but the government is sitting looking at what are the needs of the government, and then to say, hey, we have needs in terms of uh, people qualify for X, Y, and Z. And by the way, you you fit into the program that we want to put you in there, rather than looking at it the other way around. So, hey, you just arrived here. So what's your experience? What would you like to do in the future? What kind of uh, quality of life you're looking for? And how can we help you get there? We're always looking from the point of view of the, of the government or ourselves with Instead of looking at how can we make sure that this pe- this person feels at home and can really contribute to the economy, mm-hmm. so we need to switch that around and really look at uh, what these people uh, need to to succeed, rather than saying, okay, this is what we're offering. Come if you need something. Yeah. So are these issues that come to you guys? I hear that a lot, and uh, we do like we do our own program, <coughs> as I said, for entrepreneurs trying to to bring them uh, elsewhere. What we do usually is we. Um, we look at their profile, what they're what they're good at, what they've been working on for the past few years. We match them with the local uh, businesses in, like we did Granby recently. We did. We're gonna do Lashit soon, so that we can find a link between them and see, like, okay, this is what you want to do. Well, here's an opportunity. And by the way, it's not only that, but here's what's happening in terms of the social life. In, in Granby, what you can do. Did you know that there's 121 different communities living in Granby? It's one of the, the biggest uh, place for immigration in Quebec is okay. actually Granby. So I didn't know that like before I went there. So the, the what we're doing is really trying to match that, making sure that
0: it's a perfect match, not from our perspective, but from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me something. Do you guys, what's your scope? I mean, and I'm probably guessing it's a mix of everything, but do you focus a lot more on, promoting entrepreneurship or dealing with companies that want to expand and uh, you know like uh, someone that's an employee for example can he be part of this chamber of commerce or do you only deal with entrepreneurs um, you know business owners it's uh, that's a good
1: question as our focus is more on entrepreneurs but young young adults who are have any ambition they want to try to network and get to know other people and so we do get i would say it's it's almost 50 50 okay and since that we're our mission is more focused on entrepreneurs making sure that uh we give them all the tools necessary the network to 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 grow their business but obviously there's a whole lot of people who are young professionals or they want to be young professionals in the business and they want to meet
0: someone in particular so that that's what we do How do you see the landscape in Quebec, like economically? uh, There's a lot of stuff transferring to Toronto that we know uh, it's been happening for years. Why do you think these things are happening?
1: Um, I don't think there's one, one thing in particular that makes it happen. Obviously... When you're young and you're ambitious, the the bigger city, it seems like there are more opportunities at that point, which can be true in some circumstances, not always. Uh, what we've seen though in Quebec in the past few years is the, the level of ambition in terms of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. went really skyrocketed in the past few years. So that's good news what's not so good in terms of news is the fact that the uh, the, action, the, the 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 number of startups has decreased in terms of capital in in Quebec why That's sure that's a pretty good question that we should be looking into so that is one big issue i mean if you have a lot of people who want to start their own business but they actually don't we need to look into it see what can be done at that point because obviously we talked about labor shortage but the other thing that's coming a lot is um, a big change in the business models in general. Mm-hmm. You're no longer going to be all located in Braga or on the North Shore whatsoever. You can work from from home, from many different places, uh, and still have your own business. Yeah. Whether you live here in Braga or you live uh, in a small rural area of 500 people,
0: it's well, it's true now that the, the, the technological advance. I mean, you can pretty much do anything you want from wherever you want. That's right. um But how is that affecting the market though? Because you have businesses that still require Labor, right? So when you have someone that that says, look, I want something that allows me to work from home or I have a family or something more flexible. Meanwhile, you have a business that requires these hands to work. And we see this change happening. Yeah. It's been happening for a while now. It's been
1: happening for a while now. Look at big, giant businesses like Nike. Yeah. Um. What is Nike to you as a business? What What are they selling?
0: Well, well they're... They're a sporting and uh, clothing company. But uh, aside from that, I mean, Nike, it's a lifestyle, right? They're selling the idea.
1: Exactly. Because if you look at their numbers, if you look at their annual report, I think about 80% of all the money they do is only on the branding of products. They don't even, it's not on the product. They're not making money on the product. It's really on the branding of it. Mm-hmm. So all the products there, they move it elsewhere, or places where they can find the, the right people to do the job and all the marketing is done elsewhere. Mm-hmm so they're really splitting the way they're they're doing business and that's one thing to take into consideration now don't i'm not saying we should put all the uh the these jobs uh like in another country whatsoever mm-hmm. i'm saying that we need to look and make sure that if you're going to start a business perhaps if you need someone that's very very strong in terms of uh IT that person might live in sherbrooke but Maybe you want to, you want to keep working here uh, <coughs> on the nor- on the South Shore of Montreal, and maybe you'll have a business deaf person living in the North Shore and working for you. Yeah. So the way you see it should not be uh, uh, locked in one geographical area. You need to expand beyond this. And maybe you'll have a partner who's just as interested in the same business as you, but he's located in in the United States, in mm-hmm. Europe, and then you can build your your business together as partners.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, tell me something because I've noticed the, that the landscape is changing a lot in Quebec there's this huge hub of high tech companies coming in um, why is Montreal such an attractive city for this
1: we've attracted the right minds to come here when I'm I think of Yoshua Bengio in terms of a artificial intelligence who's one of the smartest guy in the world in terms of artificial intelligence so once you have the, the big names coming the ecosystem will, will adapt So okay we have the right people in place now let's build on this it's really and on that front uh, hats off to the to the provincial government the, the previous one who saw the opportunity and worked on it mm-hmm. just like other governments did in terms in terms of uh, uh aerospace industries that that really really built uh quebec mm-hmm. uh, economy and the pharmaceutical industry as well it's also a matter of attracting capital right yes yes which is always an issue it's always very very hard and if you look at the venture capital in Quebec, ninety percent of it stays whether in Montreal or Quebec City. So that's where you go and get the money. Mm-hmm. Now there's more and more uh, fintech companies who are trying to democratize uh, uh, financing of businesses. It's it, it takes time, but it's it's shifting slowly. Mm-hmm. So maybe it won't be an issue whether you live in the, in Brossard or Montreal, <coughs> or uh, Rivière du Loup.
0: Yeah, there's a there's an issue that uh, that that came up. Um, the end of last year um I'm talking about the the plan that the federal government has to um to create a national securities regulator i think this was uh, it was ongoing in the courts i don't know yeah. 2014 2015 and finally the supreme court um ruled that it's constitutional for them to do so huge problem kind of coming out of quebec i don't know if there's any issue coming out of any other provinces but they don't want to participate they want to control uh and overlook their own market they think that uh, they may lose control if it's more centralized at the federal level. How do you think this is going to impact us?
1: Well, here's the thing. If you're an investor and you want to start a business in Canada, where do you put your business? And then if you want to expand from, let's say you decide to build in Quebec, you want to expand it to to Ontario or New Brunswick, you'll have to go see another securities uh, regulator at that point. And mm-hmm. then how many... How, the costs are lining up. So there are two things that what the federal government did. What they did was uh, you're not forced to to participate in it. So that that's what made it uh, constitutional. Mm-hmm. Um, so Quebec can still remain and keep uh, the model they have in place right now. So that won't be an issue uh, going further. Uh, do we want, as two things, Do you, are we more scared about losing control to Ottawa because it's going to be centralized, or are we more scared that because we have different set of rules, less people are going to be interested in coming and investing mm-hmm. here? So that's a legitimate question. I don't have an answer for that. It's really, I think, both sides make very good, valid points. It's At that point, we'll see what happens. I don't think there's going to be any huge impact in the short run mm-hmm. on that file.
0: Well, there seems to be a huge wave against it, right? I know that the, 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 the Montreal Chamber of Commerce uh, is against it, and they're backed by... Uh, several of uh, uh, former uh, finance ministers yes. and some uh, big CEOs um, again I, I don't know if it's political or um, if it's strictly economical that they, they, they think that it's better for the climate uh, the economical climate here in Quebec uh, I didn't know that they had the choice to opt uh,
1: out they do they do and the the thing is that there's a model in place right now it's not perfect but it it, it works for for quebec okay. uh one of the big issue was that it's not all provinces who were uh, um, working so hard and making sure that all the rules are in place the, the right rules mm-hmm. so what would happen is that a company may get um authorization in another <coughs> province and they could since they were certified they could come to quebec and do business mm-hmm. but if the company wasn't good they could come here and uh, create big issues uh, for for our economy. Mm-hmm. So the goal the the goal it was good in the sense that we should try to make sure that whatever business wherever in Canada they start do they they do business they they are legitimate and they won't cause any big issues uh, for for the market. Mm-hmm. Now. In terms of the how this should be applied, I completely understand why the IMF and uh, the Montreal Chamber of Commerce would, would want to
0: to back the the system that's in place right now. Because based on what you're saying, if it's a more centralized system, I mean, a company can come in here based on the on the on the federal criteria, for example, and qualify, whereas it wouldn't otherwise. Right. So the question is, who has a better understanding of uh, of the market? Is it you know someone sitting in an office in Ottawa trying to overlook Everything going on you know the whole country, or professionals located specifically in Quebec that know exactly that this company will fit or won't fit in this ecosystem so the the system that was proposed uh
1: the the last system that was proposed under the federal government it was a system where the all the provinces would keep people who would uh, report back to, to the federal government. These are the issues. This is what we're trying to cover and yeah. make sure that nothing happens. And from there, they would uh, all the provinces would have a say in in terms of what are the regulations that must be applied within Canada, um, which is different from the the system that works right now, which is a passport one, which means that Quebec can strike a deal with Ontario in terms of uh, uh, you have the same criteria as us so whatever business, uh, do business in Ontario, they can come to Quebec without mm-hmm. any issue. It's really of, instead of, uh, it's really the idea was really to simplify that system it's not of really centralizing all the power in ottawa actually the power would stick within the the the, the securities regulators that are existing right now in the provinces mm-hmm. um it's really just the mechanics of it uh do we want as to keep control of our securities regulator it's a very good question and i think it's a it's it becomes a political decision more than anything else what do you
0: think are people coming to you with this? Are is it a concern that is being uh, talked about around? Uh, it's uh, <coughs> uh,
1: we don't hear it that often, but it certainly affects more businesses that are uh, finance related more than anything else. Yeah. Um, what do I think? <laughs> that's a good. That's a good question. Uh, I would say that perhaps we're not there yet, in the sense of what should be the right mechanics to make it happen. Obviously, we have to make sure that consumers are protected that if they deal with a the company they're going to get uh, screwed over. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we do it? I, I'm not the most qualified person to speak on that, but I can I can totally understand why Quebec would want to keep its own uh, perspective on what uh, is considered being uh, a company that follows the rules.
0: Um, let me talk to you about um, something that we're we've been seeing for a while, and this is obviously having to do with. All this innovation and uh, uh, the advancement that we're seeing both technologically and, um, you know, uh, artificial intelligence or virtual reality, like there's this huge hub over here, uh, at least in Quebec. But I think in in all over the world, basically. So you're seeing all these new companies, uh, all these new startups where, you know, it's all done online. And there's a big issue right now in Quebec. And, you know, we're talking, we saw we saw problems uh, that, that arose with uh, Uber coming in. Uh, there's questions on Airbnb, for example, and there's all these other companies. Um, there was another company just recently that filed for bankruptcy and it's still up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen. We're talking about Taxi that tried to compete with Uber coming in and they failed. Um, so there's, there's this huge shift, right, um, in, in the way business is conducted or the way uh, business is being started. Um, how do you uh, how do we make sure? Like, what what's the impact that this will have, both like on government policy and the way that we make sure that these businesses or economically things remain like at a sustainable uh, level?
1: Absolutely, that's a very very good question and a question that I'm uh that we've spent a whole lot of time thinking about. The for businesses to compete within each other, it's normal, it's healthy, or that's that's fine. the The question is how. Quickly can the government adapt its its laws to make sure that um it's a safe uh, business environment, and, and that is a big issue. We need to make sure, you
0: you you've worked for government. You know how long it takes for a bill to pass. But that's the other. That's why I'm asking you this question because I know for a fact that if there's one, um, it's not an industry, but if there's one, um, uh, area, or that is, how can I explain it? If, if there's if there's one, uh, in, well, let's call it an industry, right, that is really behind, it is the government. I don't think they're on the ball on what's happening. And, and th- like you said before, they're more reactionary in the sense that, oh, there's this company Uber as if it just fell from the sky and we have to react. But the time that it takes you to react, because, again, you're behind on all your other uh, means of doing things. Right. You're creating a huge, huge issue.
1: Absolutely absolutely that's that's the you're really pinpointing the issues if you don't see it coming then you're stuck with a bigger problem and the longer you drag it the longer the, the bigger the problem so how do you react quick more more quickly there are two things and it really affects how democracy works cuz at one point you can decide that let's let's move away from laws and go more into uh, um I don't know what you call them in english but uh, like réglementation rather than yeah, the regulation yeah. regulation sure so that means that it's only one minute so we can choose like what what are going to be the rules um i think I think we need to make sure that we have the the foundations in, in laws and then the rules you need to be able to adapt them quicker and make sure that whenever you change them you have a, a comprehensive view on what will be the impact on the other industries i mean the the uber fall well, that's that's a very good example of what
0: not to do this happened. Um, uh, let me look back because I remember a time where they were lobbying uh, the the members of parliament the, of the national mm-hmm. assembly because they wanted this to pass. So I remember sitting in a meeting <coughs> with um, uh, what was his name? Uh, Guimet, uh, at that time was uh, what's his name? Uh, Jean I Nicolas or something. I can't remember his name. Sorry. Um, he was in, in charge of Uber here in Quebec, and they sat down okay, they presented everything to us, but. I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, early 2014, maybe 2015. Yeah. We're in 2018, and I still don't think that all the uh, the regulations and all the, the framework has been established yet.
1: Exactly. There was that uh, pilot project, which uh, dragged on. Jean-Nicolas Guimet, I think. Jean-Nicolas yeah. Guimet. Uh, that pilot project just dragged on, but if I were... a uh, uh, taxi business owner, taxi driver now, I would ask myself questions a whole lot about what is the next step? And I would be worried. And I think it's the role of government to actually like understand that anxiety and make sure that they fix it sooner rather than later. So hopefully... I'm
0: going to give you one very particular example. Yeah. It happened to me during the campaign in, in October uh, 2018, last year. I ran into a woman whose husband uh, was a taxi driver. He had, I think, two licenses. He passed away. So, the, it came to her. She's, she's obviously not going to run a taxi. She doesn't want to drive. She's at the age where, you know, obviously they're retired. She wants to sell them. And the value is garbage compared to what it was because Oops. of this change. So this is a direct impact. Um, you know, these are people that have worked their entire lives. They've built. It's a business. Exactly. You're, you're self-employed almost, right? Yes. To the point where when you come to take your pension, everything you've worked for, the value of, you know, what you were building is worth... I don't want to say nothing. I mean, there's still value in it, but it's brought down significantly because of these technological advances, because of innovation. Right. And I stand for innovation. I like Uber. Sure. You know what I mean? I can understand also the impact that it has. The question is, how do you find that middle ground?
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's when you start looking into uh, uh, sharing risk, because obviously as a taxi driver, uh, you have a part of responsibility to make sure that your investment for the future are, are, are well done. So that's, that's one part that you can put away. Now the role of the government is when they see that there's a big shift in the economy. You should be on top of things, making sure that okay, so this is what's happening. These are the uh, the 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 big shifts, the the latent shifts that you don't necessarily see, uh, but you see, you try to see and. Um, Prevent them, not prevent them, because you don't want to stop them, but uh, see them in advance so you can actually try to, to make sure that the less people are affected negatively with, with it. So how do you deal with that? That's a very good question. I think the first sense is we should look back at all the, the laws we've built in terms of uh, of uh, of how our economic system works here in Quebec, just to make them sh- so that we have a foundation that is rock solid that doesn't move, and then a lot of regulations that come and, um, can be played with just to make sure that we can adapt quickly to 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 the system. But that's a big question. It's not something you can do in a, just a, a table corner. You have to to work and take the time to actually w- really
0: do that very well. Do you have members? Do you have people coming to you and telling you, "Look, this is what we want to do." This this, this is the barriers that we meet, and it makes no sense. Like how many how, how present is this in your everyday life?
1: It happens quite a lot, and it's uh, when it's not because of the the rules uh, at the provincial level. It's because they follow the rules at the provincial level, but now the federal level has a different set of rules, which creates an issue mm-hmm. for them. So, so the red tape is for sure a huge issue in terms of innovation. If we want to stay on top of things, uh, we need to look back into all the the red tape and try to to cut some of it.
0: I I just feel that you know there's so much. Um progress to be made Uh, and i'm thinking of another recent failure which was the 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 royal mount project huge development project at an area in montreal that is in my opinion very ugly uh just disgusting um that you could uplift it um thousands of jobs created huge project and it blocks down again because you know the city you know raised their hand they're like oh no you know it's going to create traffic so we're going to put an end we're going to stop the project. That's a,
1: that's a very good point. And I, I'm not going to spend too much on this specific uh, uh, project, but like the, the traffic issue is not new to this project. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. So don't use that as a scapegoat for what's really happening. Mm-hmm. And don't use that as a tactic to, to block a, a project like that. You need to find solutions to traffic and you need to make sure that there's economic development
0: for that area and for Montreal in general. And that's not, and that's just one example. Yeah. There's so many others. Uh, I had Mary Deros on the show and I, we went over how paralyzed Montreal's, I don't want to say the, 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 the business core, but they were, they were renovating. They were doing road infrastructure on St. Lawrence a number of years ago. It took what a year, a year and a half to fix a, you know, a street how many businesses closed or how many businesses suffered
1: absolutely there's an like we talk a lot about the ecosystem the economic ecosystem in Quebec there's so many things that we can do differently we need to to punch above our weight and we're not there yet i mean like don't don't get me wrong we're doing a lot of things that are right but mm-hmm. in terms of moving quickly we're not there yet and we need to improve on that front it's a matter of productivity for for the entire province really
0: can you play a role in that or how does it work
1: Well, my role is really into bringing that issue up and center in the minds of uh, uh, public decision makers. So, yes, I can play a role in the sense that I can advocate for more changes. And that's what we do.
0: Because it would appear to me, and this is something that, you know, we've experienced firsthand. People get elected. They're not, they they don't know everything. I think we can, I think everybody knows that, right? They're not experts in all uh, areas. In all areas. And they count a lot on the advice and the support of the different professionals that are around, you know, the whole spectrum of politics. It would appear to me that someone like you uh, or, you know, in any chamber of commerce, I don't know, again, I don't want to open a debate on who has more pull uh, than who, but you should be like at the forefront of these things.
1: Absolutely. And uh, you're right. I don't want to open a front. And what I'm telling people is that first thing, get involved. because. Too often people stay at home, uh, they complain about stuff, they don't do anything about it. first step is go outside, speak about it to someone, your local MNA, your local MP, join one of the chambers of commerce, please do, um, and speak about it. The more people that are talking about it, the more politicians will be aware of the issue and the, the better the chances of changes in that area. Mm-hmm. And that's true for any any in politics
0: um do you sit on any uh, advisory uh, i mean i don't know how these chambers of commerce work i mean is there like a wider group like a um i guess it's the federation i guess are you members of that do you sit down is it more like a do you can they play like an advisory role to public policy or you know to to, to government so we are in
1: independent from uh the fccq um but we do have one uh, our uh the president of our board is sitting on the board of the FCCQ. Yeah. Um. In terms of, it's there are so many different files that we can we can bring forward to government, and we do as much as we can. But if you're gonna bring. 20 files, like they won't remember well, any obviously. of them. So, so you got
0: to concentrate on the bigger ones, yes. on the most important ones.
1: Yes, and that's when you have to find a way to to prioritize which file you're going to bring forward. Uh, the one you mentioned, labor shortage, it's one of our big mm-hmm. files that's coming up. Uh, Economy Collaborative, anything that has to do with Uber, Airbnb, that's one of our big files. Uh, productivity in general will what's, be- What's effective.
0: your position on that exactly? On which one? On, uh, on Uber and all this new uh, innovative tech companies that come up so i'll be able to to flip you we
1: have uh, we've produced in 2016 we were one of the first one to create a document on collaborative economy see what can be done how things should be done uh it's quite extensive in the sense that uh, bottom line is that we need to move quick uh, faster on many different files and we need to consider what would be the effect on on, uh, different industries but i can go into all the details in terms of the in taxi industry in terms of other like airbnb they're, they're there they're quite. Busy there. It's coming, and then there was a, an article recently in the, the uh, uh one of the newsletter I, I received in terms of uh, the economy and the number of businesses that are Uber X. They're not Uber, but they're just they're like easy. anti-Uber. You mean? No, oh no. no, they're applying the, the Uber oh, model, the model. Okay. to different industries. It's coming. It's coming our way. So we can either sit there and start pilot projects when things start exploding in our face, or we can start working right away on them.
0: So how, yeah, how do you think? How do you think that's going to affect? Uh, the more traditional business like what businesses do you think are in danger Um, what business do you think will flourish because of these new things happening
1: it's that's a very tough question because I don't think it's one type of the industry the the business that will be more the most impacted will be the one who doesn't want to change doesn't want to adapt at all so the moment you realize that this is coming and you adapt your model like I don't know if you know the the website's um Submission renovation. No, you want to change. You have a renovation, something to do in your house. You you send it an email to them with the, the description of what you want to do, and you'll have three submissions coming your way.
0: I'm gonna edit this part out because I don't want my wife listening to this. <laughs> She'll
1: be spending. <laughs> <laughs> and we we have uh, one of our uh, members a B two B quotes. They do the same thing, but for anything you want to do in terms of I T whatsoever. So you just send in what you want to achieve, and they'll come back to you with the three best options for you. So if you don't start looking into these companies and you don't start applying to to be part of their network, you're 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 falling behind. But that, that was
0: my follow up question. So these guys are doing this is a perfect example. Are they actually doing the renovations or they're just giving you the prices? And because if they are doing the actual work, then obviously they have the upper hand from your they your guy next door that you know has been doing this for fifty years.
1: They don't. What they do is that they they do all the uh, algorithms. So you want to do something, these are the people who said that they could do these renovations. Oh, okay, so they
0: reference, uh, so maybe you re- have to get into the network kind of.
1: Yes, you have <sighs> to be
0: part of the algorithms. Yeah, so there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, sensitizing that has to be done. Yes. Your traditional handyman yes. that has no idea how these things work, that probably has a computer that he's used maybe three times in his whole life. Right. Uh, how do you reach this individual? How do you tell him, listen, man, things are changing. Look what we're doing. Uh, come on board, and it's going to help you.
1: It's it's a good question, and it's really getting the message out there. And you, we get
0: bombarded. And can, and can you get the message out there to the, to to them? Not to everyone, that's yeah. for sure.
1: Um, if you don't get the message at one point, you should look at your uh, your numbers, uh, your yearly reports, yeah. and you'll start seeing that something's happening. So you should wake up. Yeah. But for that, you need to actually look at your numbers, which is. Uh, doesn't happen that often. That's what I'm. Uh, I'm realizing that a whole lot of businesses don't necessarily look very closely at their numbers and the the their own business.
0: You offer this type of consulting, like to businesses that want help in making a business plan or figuring out their numbers or investments or.
1: So we don't, but we can refer them to some of our the people we know that that we're always happy to do. But that's not part of our mission. Um, there are so many different organizations out there to do it we don't want to duplicate mm-hmm. what we can do though is put you in, a, in touch with the right person for mm-hmm. that so that's what we
0: do uh let's close it up man tell me uh what you're focused on right now what's in the works um what are you planning uh, what are you excited about um what are your challenges um because this is new to you when did you start uh, november, november last november. year so you're you're a baby
1: it is it's still quite new for me uh, obviously we have a big event march 15th uh, which will be after your podcast yeah um w- with the 750 people we're going to talk about um soft skills and uh, jobs of the future that's certainly a file that we want to open uh, open up i know it's vague but the point is that so we're going to bring experts from different uh industries together see what are the big trends so we can have a a, a map for the future that's one big thing trade with the us uh it's top of mind uh, just because there's been so much that's been said in the past few
0: years, yeah, well, there's a new agreement too now, right? So
1: yes, but it's not ratified yet. Okay. And there are some pressures uh, in the in the United States about that. Uh, we just want to make sure that these are our neighbors are ten times bigger than us. Obviously. We need to make sure that we our businesses thrive over there. Mm-hmm. So we're an exclusive on May twenty-four. We're going to be hosting an event here in Montreal with the uh, fifty entrepreneurs from Quebec and fifty from uh, the United States. Uh, they're bringing together try to do some. Uh, some matching at that point and do some networking so that we can have more economic ties with the US and then Europe too is certainly something uh, a market that we need to develop and I mean we signed the agreement and it's ratified but mm-hmm. we need to make sure that our businesses thrive over there and there are the public markets in the in Europe there they're big yeah our businesses can apply there and there's there's money there's business to be made there
0: Tommy me now that you mentioned the 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 Accords there uh because there was another agreement with a uh, with the Pacific right yeah how is that coming into play with the new NAFTA agreement, or, if any, at all?
1: The uh, The overlapping piece is all about uh, supply management for, yeah. the, for the dairy industry., yeah. so and we've seen in the news, uh, yeah. there's, uh, there's some uh, infighting uh, on that file, which I'm not going to delve into. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, we're putting Canada is at a very good spot right now where they have, where we have um, free market or very close to free markets with, I don't know, I think it's 90 countries the biggest ones mm-hmm. we're in a very good position not a whole lot of country can say that they have that many t- economic ties yeah so it, it puts us at a very good place to be a platform for all businesses to thrive everywhere now we need to attract businesses and start for, for them to start here building their businesses out of canada and then shipping everywhere
0: superman i appreciate your time i know that you're very busy man i'm gonna let you get back to your kid uh- thanks uh, it was nice seeing you, man. It's it was, always nice It was, to see you. It was too long.
1: <laughs> it's been too long. Uh, let's make sure we grab coffee more, more often.
0: I'm going to come to your events now that I have more time too. Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, man.
1: Have a good one.